0: Now presenting this week's message. We are better together, and uh, this is part two as, as we pick up. And, and, and this is really, uh, uh, again, talking to us, asking God to open up our hearts and minds to, to His concept of community. And um, not as we normally think of fellowship or community, but as He intended it when He created us. And it is a radical counterculture uh, experience and messages uh, message uh, that we are looking at, thinking about, that God's calling us into. But He says if we just trust Him, if we will just trust Him and allow Him to lead us in this, that He really promises to empower us to overcome things like fatigue and fear and frustration and failure, uh, depression, despair, uh, and He replaces all that with hope. And um, so uh, it's here that uh, we are reminded uh, that truly, according to God, we are better together. Last week, uh, just a, I'm gonna try to do a better job as far as um, as uh, in, in uh, reviewing, quicker job in reviewing. My wife always gets on to me about reviewing, but I always think about stuff that I left out. But anyway, here we go. Uh, you know the, the myth of how uh, how important it is for us in America to be uh, you know independent. You know, we just idolize independence. We have our declaration of independence. And uh, truly, that's just uh, not God's way for us. And, um, you know, our, our motto is this, isolation leads to what? Delusion. Say that with me. Isolation leads to delusion. And too many of us, even though we're around people, we truly live when it comes to the core of our being in isolation. And God just wants to blow that up and expose it for what it really is and bring us to a point to where we are interdependent. And uh, through that, He gets the glory. And through that, our lives are enriched as we learn more about how to be interdependent. God help us on that. The very first verse on your outline that we looked at and that really sums this up, Romans 12, 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Say this last part with me. Each of us needs all the others. It does not say each of us. Now, you look around here and you go, you know, I I need a few of these folks. You know, a few of the others, a few of you I can just do without. That's not what it says. It doesn't say each of us needs some of the others. It says each of us need all of the others. Now, so the reality is is that No matter how you thought you got here, God has orchestrated for you to be here uh, in order to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in your life, but also to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in my life. Each of us need all of the others. God, help us to get to a place where we truly receive that and embrace it in a way that is transformational. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank You for loving us. Thank You for Your... Um, Marvelous mercies. Thank you for your passionate heart that we may know you and experience you. Today, I pray that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts and minds uh, to receive your truth. Your truth that brings freedom. Lord, as we come here today from different experiences, there are those of us that think uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, that we may just have it all together. And, and Lord, I, I, we don't. And that's the reason you sent Jesus, so that you could empower us and live through us, so that you could heal us and redeem us. There are others of us thinking we'll never get it together, but, Jesus, you say that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. May that be true today as we learn to be better together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's take a look at this. The bottom line of this is you and I cannot uh, fulfill God's purpose for our life apart from community. We, can, we just can't. God did not intend us to do that, and we cannot. Why do we need each other? We looked at this. Last week, we uh, talked about, uh, I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. You don't even have to fill that one out. I've got it on your outline. Colossians 2.6. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. The Bible talks about our journey in life as a walk, and one of the ways it talks about walking is walking with others. We need to walk together. Why? We are better together. Uh, we're not meant to go alone. And, and we covered three reasons, uh, just three brief reasons last week. Uh, why we need others to walk with us. Number one, because it's safer. It's safer by having other people with us. If you want to get more detail, go listen uh, to the uh, podcast or go listen online. It's safer. It's supportive. In other words, we have others walking with us. And when we're ready to give up, they're our inspiration and encouragement to not not give up. uh, It's just supportive. And then the last is just smarter. It's just smarter. Uh, The Bible is uh, very specific about how it is just foolish uh, to think that we can go it alone just to trust what we think without really consulting God and others. In in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So we talked about how community, community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is God's answer to loneliness. And, um, And here's the reality. You can still be with people. You can show up for church a lot of times and all that stuff and be around a lot of people and still truly be lonely. You know what I'm talking about. Why? Because there are some things in your life that you've not revealed or exposed and you've got, and Satan's back there going, hey, yeah, if people really knew you, uh, they wouldn't like you. But true community, what God speaks of in His Word and what He created us for is His answer to loneliness. So God teaches what it truly means to be and live in community. So, You know, I need others to walk with me. Number two, I need others to work with me. Why do I need the community? I need others to work with me. Ephesians 2.10, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance uh, for us to live our lives doing. God's already planned it. God knows his plan and his purpose for you. He planned it in advance. And uh, I need others to work with me. God never meant for me and you to do that work alone. He wants us to work with others. He wants us to walk with others. Um, and there's all these supporting scriptures there for that. But God's, uh, we, we discussed this last week, community is God's answer to fatigue. One of the reasons that we're fatigued is because we try to do it like we want to do it, and we try to do it alone. Uh, community is God's answer to fatigue. Uh, and lots of examples. You want more detail? Go listen to the podcast from last week. All right, number three. And this is where we uh, just touched on it. I need others to watch out for me. I need others to watch out for me. Philippians 2 4. Look out for one another's interests, not just your own. If you want a countercultural verse, that's it. Look out for one another's interests not just your own. And it's not saying uh, be a busybody and be nosy. No, it's saying truly look out. Be, be watchful, be intentional about one another's uh, uh, interests, not just your own. And we, and we discussed the neighborhood watch signs up there in all these neighborhoods and how, you know, it's good for us to watch each other's stuff. But the real question is this, not do I have people watching my stuff, but do I have others watching my soul? Do you have somebody watching your soul that's helping you truly to stay on track spiritually? But stay on track spiritually. But it's through this Daniel plan that we've seen how it's all connected. Physical, relational, spiritual, all of that. And, and, and that's been the encouragement to say, you know, I bring some others to walk alongside of me in order to be what God wants me to be. And it's uh, encouraging me looking at it. Well, let's look at what I eat. Let's, let's look at the kind of friends that I'm inviting to my life. Let's look at my thoughts. Let's look at the words that are coming out of my mouth. You know, I, I need others to, to watch out for me. Do you have someone watching out for your soul? Hebrews 13 one says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should do. It said, keep, keep, not, not just one time, not just, but keep on, be vigilant in doing that. Uh, be vigilant in our watching out for one another. Um, and, and this is pretty much, I think, where we kind of, uh, put the pause on last week, but uh, uh, r- not recently. I was um, uh, had the opportunity to to, to read uh, the the nine eleven going back in, which is now almost twenty years ago. nine eleven Commission report. But here's the reality: when it comes to watching out, I mean, in our country, we've been a whole lot more vigilant about. Uh, watching out for each other when it comes to things like terrorism we 've been a lot more vigilant about watching out for each other when it comes to the coronavirus wow we got we got this we, we got this hand sanitizer we're elbow bumping, knee bopping and all that kind of stuff. We're watching out for each other, you know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you don't think we're not watching out for each other, go to, go to the airport sometime, you know, when it comes out to watching out, being vigilant about watching out for, for one another when it comes to, to terrorism. Now, the, the 9-11 commission report, you know, I, I, has a tremendous parallel. See, as, 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 as far as enemy, there's a much more destructive enemy than, there, than when it comes to terrorism, to terrorists. The, the fact of the matter, as a, as a child of God, you've got an enemy that hates your guts. He wants to defeat you. He wants to mess up your life. He wants to bring problems into your life. He wants to ruin relationships. He wants to hurt you as bad as he can. His name is Satan. And sometimes we kind of minimize that. You know, we put little, you know, red suit and horns and things like that. But the reality is, Satan hates your guts. And he wants to mess you up. Now, you know, some people, you know, and I talk to different people. They go, I don't know about all that kind of stuff. You know, really, really? No. Why why is it that Satan hates your guts? Because he cannot touch God. See, God is untouchable. And Satan wanted to be God, and he hates God, and and he can't touch God. So when you want to hurt somebody and you can't get to them, what do you do? You go after their family. You go after their kids. And that's what Satan is doing when it comes to me and you. He he, he he doesn't care what it takes or how badly you get hurt. He just wants to mess you up any way that he can. And when you get up in the morning, he has already been plotting on how to get you to waste your day, uh, how to get you to blow it with anger or worry or fear or guilt or shame or depression or resentment or bitterness, he, whatever it is, you know, just to get you off track and to mess you up. So that you don't experience the freedom that God uh, has promised through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is very real. And He is always at work. So in this 9-11 report, listen to this parallel to this spiritual battle. I thought it was very interesting. It said, we learned about an enemy who was sophisticated, patient, disciplined, and lethal. The enemy rallies broad support by redressing political grievance, but its hostility toward us and our values is limitless. Boy, that's Satan's hatred of me and you. It says, Its purpose is to rid the world of religious pluralism and makes no distinction between military and civilian targets. Collateral damage is not in its lexicon. Satan doesn't care who gets hurt. He just wants to hurt. And the commission goes on to say, we learned that we did not understand how grave this threat could be. So we did not adjust our plans and practices to deter or defeat it. That sounds like a lot of us as Christians. You know, we're not adjusting, you know, and realizing the war that we're in and we're not Making any plans or adjustment when it comes to the temptations of life are the tactics that Satan uses. The commission went on to say this. The test before us is now to sustain the unity of purpose and meet the challenges now confronting us. We need to design a balanced strategy uh, for the long haul to attack terrorists while at the same time protecting ourselves against future attack. So it's saying we need to protect ourselves, but also a strategy for attack. Matter of fact, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not prevail against us. The gates are defensive. It means that we are on the offensive. We need to be concerned and ask God to guide us and ask one another how we can join together in being protected from Satan's schemes. How does Satan mess up your life? He messes up your life through habits. He messes up your life through these habits that you can't break, through uh, these hurts that you won't let go of, through resentment that you won't let go of, through hang-ups that you cannot change in your life, through problems, through circumstances, through relationships that break your heart. He uses just the practical things, the everyday things in your life and my life to mess us up. And he always works. It seems that he's always working in and around others. And then, you know, that's, that's when we go into the blame game and stuff like that and see, you know, if you hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have done this. But ultimately, you know, the people around us aren't our true enemy. It's Satan himself. Because we don't fully understand that, the fact that we really need to watch out for one another and be diligent and vigilant in doing that is why so many Christians live defeated lives, just defeated, feeling powerless. And why is that? Because we try to fight Him on our own. Uh, you know, I, would, I would just uh, saw so yesterday someone just talking about how they're 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 um boy, they're they're working and and trying to stay sober. They're they're, they're now uh, in this sobriety deal and they're struggling with it. And I was I was sitting there thinking and praying for them, going, "Please don't be trying to do this alone." God did not create us to do that. And so many times, the reason that we experience failure and defeat and frustration in our lives is because, well, it's a pride thing, and we're trying to do it alone. God says, I didn't build you like that. I didn't create you to function like that. We need others to watch out for us. Ecclesiastes 4.12 uh, says a person stand alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Wow. In the Bible just so practical. Now, that's not just a good thing to write on a coffee cup or on a you know something you hang on the wall. This is saying this is a way to live life. We need others in our life we need to watch out for each other so here's my question is there people watching your backside is there people watching out for you are there people that are close enough that know you and have your best interest in mind you know that they're watching out and see that's really what group life is all about that's why we encourage group life that's the reason we encourage doing life together you know those people that says we're there whenever you're going through a tough time you know we're not going to let you get discouraged we're not going to let you get depressed we're not going to let you <laughs> waste your life with a bunch of worry we're going to be there and and if you don't have those people in your life and i'm not just talking about family members i'm talking about others through the family of god that were you know that are there and the Bible says that not only is that foolish, but it says you're to be pitied. Because what you do is you've got a big old bullseye for Satan on your back going, oh, there's a loner. Huh. There's somebody who thinks there's some think they can do it by themselves. Community is God's answer to defeat. Community is God's answer to defeat. Check. There it is. Is that on there anywhere? Okay. All right, next slide. Let's see if that goes to the next slide. Um, all right. It's, yep, there it is. See? I told you it was. Hey, right there. Um, ah, okay, God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? You know, and we're going, I don't know why I can't kick this. I don't know why I can't get through this. I don't know why I can't see the change in my uh, community. Community. God's, God, not just showing up in the crowd, but true community. God's answer to feed. feet. Um, Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, another can reach out and help, but people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. That's what our groups are based on. That's what it's talking about really in doing life together. You've got something in your life right now uh, that you can't quite get a control of. Yeah, I've never met a person who doesn't have something in their life that they would like to change but hadn't been able to change. But there are some problems in our life, there are some issues in our life that are only solved by tackling them together. And it's through that that it requires these qualities that bring glory to God, humility, not pride. Pride becomes comes before what? Yeah. There's some problems in our lives. Just God just built us that way. There's not going to be solved without tackling them together. I need other people to walk with me and to work with me and to watch out for me. Number four, I need others to wait with me and to weep with me. Now, I'm talking about waiting whenever... There's potentially bad news. And I'm talking about uh, being there to weep whenever you get the bad news. See, there are, is there anybody who's never had a problem here? There are inevitable problems, there are inevitable crises in our lives. And this is saying that when the tragedies hit, that there are people there to demonstrate God's love and God's comfort and God's hope and God's focus. You know, and and as your pastor, you know, know, I've seen this. You know, uh, there are situations that nobody should ever have to go through alone. Now, if we've been living by this declaration of independence all our life, I don't need nobody. But see, God didn't create, didn't wire us like that. But there are situations that nobody should have to go through alone. Nobody should ever have to wait in the hospital while a loved one is having life or death surgery. Nobody. Nobody should ever have to be alone whenever they are a, a, a young woman is waiting for the lab report from a problem pregnancy. Nobody should have to wait alone. Nobody should ever have to wait alone when whenever they're Waiting to get news from the battlefield. Nobody. Nobody should have to wait alone or 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 even, whenever whenever they are or, or spend the night alone uh, the first night, you know, after their spouse or loved one has died. God created us for community, and we need to weep, to wait and and weep together. See, the truth of the matter is, is problems and stuff and tragedy and crisis is going to happen. And the, and the Bible tells us that it's foolish for us to go all the way through life unprepared for something that we know is going to happen. And, and, and he's saying... Now's the time to build that safety net. And God's safety net is a group of believers who are invested in us. And I'm not talking about 100 or 50. I'm talking about four, five, six, seven people who are committed to you and that love God with all their heart. 1 Peter 3 8 said, You should be like one big family full of sympathy toward each other. I've shared with you several times that I could not make it through my life without my group of, of of folks, and and there's there are folks, and our elders are a huge part of that, and some of you, those those people in my life that have shown up and are there whenever I've experienced personal crises, or. Very difficult times or tough times or whenever I've been blindsided by circumstances. And they'll, and they'll tell you, they'll say, yep, he ain't afraid to bring us right in the middle of it. You know, the barn's on fire and there comes the end of the fire truck coming right in the middle of the fire without putting on the brakes. Uh, I, I have felt loved. I have felt supported. I have, I have, I've, I've, I've had hope. Why? Because these people love God and 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 they love me and and they've spent countless hours in very difficult times of life to be there. Wow! Now that's Jesus with skin on. I mean, that's comfort. That's grace. That's hope. Um. God's plan, here's God's plan. Um. 1 Corinthians 12 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. You know, and and I I can tell you, I can tell you that I've seen, when I've heard, I've seen the hurt and those who come alongside. They've shared in that. When when one member suffers, all suffer members suffered you have folks in your life that are that are waiting and 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 weeping with you community number four community is god's answer to despair and one of the reasons that so often we become desperate in our lives is because we don't even know community we haven't experienced community We've been living by the Declaration of Independence, and we've tried to take that and put it in the context of church. And God says, no, 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 I don't want worldly here because I'm from another world, Jesus says. I've got a whole different economy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to the way you've always done it or the way your family did it or the way you think. Trust in Him. And that means that He wants us in the context of family to walk together, to work together, to watch out for one another, to wait together and weep together. My wife's taught me a lot about that, and, and I saw it when the birth of our first child. You know, and that's like, man, she, you know, Michael's born, and uh, man, just right after delivery, she puts on her pearls and lipstick, and she said, bring all them people on in. You know, and there's an expectation. There's people around. And, uh, you know, even there's the, uh, Tammy mentioned Connie Cobb a while ago. Uh, who was that for Rachel? Yeah, she said, come on in. You can be in the delivery room. What? And some of you going, that is gross, that's stupid, you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, here's the concept. God does not want us to go along. And, and, uh. She'll get her blanket at a, at a heartbeat. You know, you get sick, you go in the hospital, and some of you have experienced this. You're not, well, there comes Felicia in her blanket, and her used to be her Diet coat, but the Daniel plan doesn't rip that out of her hand. We don't want, you know, you don't want a 100 people come showing up, but there's a, there's a few, four, five, six, to say you are loved and you're not alone. Romans five twelve, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. By the way, sometimes I know that you know when we're in groups and stuff like that, people don't know quite what to do with tears. I think we do a pretty good job with it. When people start crying, we make fun of them. (laughs) No, no, I mean no. But seriously, I mean you know it's like when somebody you're in a group setting, people just like, what do I do? That's usually a pretty good sign. Here's a tip. When somebody is just, I mean, they're, uh oh, they're, they're sharing their heart and it is, they're devastated and they're, and they're crying. Tears is usually a pretty good sign, sign to stop and pray. Just stop and pray. Say, Lord, you know, Felicia just shared, you know, this heart, you know, that situation and that she's having with Mike and he's just being mean and ugly. Let's just pray for Felicia. You know, or someone's, you know, just voices that. And, and, and usually it's people just, I mean, just to come to, to be there, to, to hold their hand, to put your arm around them, that kind of stuff. Not to yak, yak, yak. They, people don't want you to fix it at that particular point. Matter of fact, a lot of times when we get in trouble is when we give stupid advice and we start talking, we feel like we got to talk, and we give stupid advice a lot. Stop. Stop and pray. Stop and pray. He's our healer. Um, Encourage each other and strengthen one another, 1 Thessalonians 5 says. Number five, I need others to witness with me. I need others to witness with me. What does that mean? Um, The fact is, is that you have a message that God wants you to share in the world. That's part of your mission. That's part of who you are. It's it's part of the mission that God put you on earth for. And there's great power in group witness. I mean, we witnessed that uh, in Turkey. There's great power in group witness. Matter of fact, I told Felicia this morning, I said, Felicia, I'm so, I said, come here. I said, I'm so awful on this all technology. And, you know, you got Facebook, you got Messenger Facebook and all this kind of stuff. And even though Ed sends me something every now and then, he doesn't respond. Whenever I respond, I forgive you, brother. Uh, But, you know, I was looking on this Messenger Facebook uh, deal. And all of a sudden, I saw this deal. It's like it's a new Facebook user or something. I I don't know. Anyway, I clicked on it. And it was one of the guys that we met and we stayed with in Turkey, his son, on December the 18th, he reached out to me to say thank you, you know, for sending, we, 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 obviously, if you, we meet you, you get our Christmas card. So thank you for your card. Uh, anyway, thank you for your card and, and, and Christmas stuff, blah, 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 and, you know, and all this stuff about my dad and things of this nature. Uh, And it was like, oh, my gosh. And I I, I, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm awful with this stuff. And I sent it back, you know, to him. But it's like it was through that group witness that there was an impact, not only on his dad, but now his filter down to him. God doesn't mean for me and you to do it alone. You know, we said that, uh, you know, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Mother Teresa had an army of people. God does not intend for you to do it alone. He would never send out a soldier by himself. He wants us to have others around us. So here's a question. What is the way that you and I best witness to people who don't know the love of God? What What is the best way? God says it's by loving others in the family. That's what this next verse says in in John uh, 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. Your love for one another. What impresses the, the, the lost world, the, the community around us that don't know the Lord is when Christian believers love each other. The one thing that proves to the world that you are in the family of God, that you've stepped across that line, that you're headed for heaven, is that you love other people in the family of God. Matter of fact, If you do not love other people in the family of God, you may have a pretty good reason to doubt, am I in it? Because that's one thing he says, when you are truly in God's family, you have love for one another. That's the reason it concerns me so deeply whenever I hear people say, I don't do church. You know, I don't do church. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I don't do that church stuff, and that is so opposite of God. He created us for a community. And you're going, yeah, but some of these folks are so hard to love. Yeah, you can't do it. You never could. You can't love anybody like they need to be loved. That's the reason Jesus came. The love that you read of in 1 Corinthians 13, that's not something you can muster up, that's Him. In you, whenever you surrender your life to Him, what impresses the loss and what gets the attention is whenever they say, Man, how they love one another. And isn't that? Our desire for cross point, for what we're known for, you know, uh, obviously it's not, you know, it's not going to be our size that impresses them. It's not going to be our buildings that impresses them. I mean, I love our building. It's not not, definitely not going to be our sermons, you know, that really wiles them. Not even going to be our music, even though we love our music, Matt and the worship team. But what is it? Our so love for one another. Whenever it goes, they go, wow, they love each other. When somebody has the freedom and the safety in the context of that group to say, hey, listen, I am struggling. I, 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 I've got this addiction in my life. And it could be a drug addiction. It could be a sex addiction. It could be whatever. But I, it's whenever someone can say that, and then there's that unconditional love to say, hey, you are still valued and accepted. I love you. And together... Together, God is so much bigger. Second Timothy one seven. Now this is in the Living Bible, which is a totally different vent I put I put the uh, different uh, the, the NIV I think in your outline. But uh, what, which one did I do? Anyway, the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. Uh, that's a huge paraphrase. But basically, you know, you go back. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. You know, He, he wants to take away the fear that has kept us from experiencing community. God's answer to fear is community. Community. God's answer to fear is community. Next thing on you, there it is. You are working together and struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. Now here's the deal. There are two goals in that verse. First is this, you are working together side by side. The first is to deepen community. And what we've been talking about is through this whole Daniel plan is that God wants to take us deeper still. Deeper still. When it comes to community, and I understand it, deeper still. That's one goal. But the second is to get others to believe in the good news. The, the second aspect of that is that God wants us in working together so that other people can believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? With your heads bowed, the truth of the matter is all uh, God has chosen you to be here today at this time and this place because He wants to use you. He brought you here. He wants you uh, to experience His love, to experience His truth and to be involved in what He is doing. That is really revolutionary to break out of the squeeze of the mold of this world and experience that for which God wants me and you to experience. So, Father God, we just come before you and we acknowledge it's time for your church to be the church. It is time for really a revolution of love and fellowship and community. Lord, please begin that work in our hearts right here, right now. Lord, I know that in doing so that we will better fulfill your purpose as we do it together. And we'll see, Lord, uh, a reformation in your church, a spiritual awakening in our country. And Father God, you know that we need it. God, help us to capture that essence of being better together now. I want to invite you to pray a prayer. Maybe if this is the your heart, then make this your prayer. Dear God, forgive me for the times that I felt I didn't need other people in my life. Father, I want to be a part of what you're doing on earth through your family, the church. Lord, I want to experience real community. I've been afraid of it, but Lord, you say there's freedom in it. Lord, I'm tired of superficial relationships. I want to really love and be loved in a deeper way. And maybe you're here today and you're, you're, you, 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 you're not, you don't know if you're a child of God or a follower of Jesus Christ. You're, you're investigated, but you, you, today you know that he is just knocking on your heart's door and he's saying, I love you. I came to forgive you and to set you free and to make you a part of my forever family. Maybe this is your prayer, Lord. I open up my life to you, Jesus. I, I, I turn from my self-led life and ask that you come into my life and accept me into your forever family. I don't want to be a passive follower anymore. Lord, today I commit to taking those steps, those practical steps would involve bringing you glory and bringing wonderful, radical change into my life to make me more like Jesus. Lord, help us to embrace the better that you want as we commit to doing it together. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Perhaps one of the best and most powerful um, illustrations of doing life together and what is really at God's heart is when we come to the Lord's table. It's a time when in the Scripture we see that Jesus says, these elements right here are symbolic of what I've done for you. And that is, I've given my life for you. Uh, My body, which hung on the cross, my blood, which was spilled for you. And so we have both of these symbolized through the bread and through the cup. And and he invites his followers to come to his table and and to receive this together. Together. Matter of fact, Paul in the Bible says, you, huh, don't take this lightly. Matter of fact, if you've got some issue of resentment or your unforgiveness or some kind of attitude, uh, just kind of stay put because this is my table. This is a sacred table. Now, I love you, but I've also given you a way to fix that. Go to them. If somebody's got something against you, you you go to them and then you come to my table. Don't show up and put your feet under my table when you're not willing to trust me. You're just trying to use me. I love you. And that's what this reflects. This 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 is exactly what this is. My body on the cross given for you. For you. And in just a few moments, you'll have an opportunity. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, take some time, ask the Holy Spirit to show you, is there anything, any offense there that would not be honoring to him? Or you show up to his table and he's going, man, you know what breaks my heart? is whenever you and you are having a spat. You know, whenever as a family, you know, with six kids, it's like if they're arguing, I mean, it just messes the whole thing up. He said, take care of that. Take care of that. Be real community, not fake community. And then come and receive my body given for you. And you can just break off a piece of that and then place it in the cup, which he says, this cup right here represents his blood that was shed for you. He said, this is a new covenant. This is a new covenant. You don't have to. You're not trying to earn my acceptance. You're not trying to perform. You're just receiving exactly what I've accomplished for you. You're trusting me for that. And you experience freedom whenever you do that. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. I'm going to ask our our guys if they would come forward. And we'll have two stations, one on my left and one here on my right. And after just a time of prayerful meditation and acknowledging and asking the Holy Spirit just to do in you what it is that He wants to accomplish, then we want to invite you to come, no matter what your background, to just come and receive these elements. Father God, we thank you for loving us so much that you sent your Son, Jesus, who gave His life that we may have life. And now we ask your blessings on this time as we come around your table, Jesus be glorified through our response uh, today to our confession uh, of whatever it is Lord that is really a blockage to true community may you be glorified as we come to your table today Jesus and may we be unified and truly this day trust you to become better together and it's in Jesus name we pray Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.